Welcome back, guys. It's another Thursday with Thor. Hope you guys got your buds out, your extract. Time to get it rolled up, sparked up, and ready to go. And I'm back to talk about outdoor growing. Guys, we are in that detrimental flowering weeks right now. Man, we're really pushing it through. Up here in New England, it's a little different for everybody. I, I talk about this every episode. You know, it's a little harder to grow up here. Mother Nature is throwing us curveballs. You know, when I lived in southern Maine, it was a little easier. Uh, anywhere off the coast, I was really able to enjoy a little bit better of a drier. You know, uh, uh, humidity was really low down there. Um, in southern Maine, you know, when I moved up here to the mountains and here in western Maine, uh, really the valleys and the mountains made it a little bit tough. There's extra humidity a lot more foliage all around you know i own 28 acres um outside of my house here you know and it's it's just nothing but uh you know trees trees plants you know so sometimes we're really just uh up about 600 uh you know plus feet of elevation inside of a cloud sometimes and uh when i say cloud i'm dead serious people will think it's like a fog you know while you're up here but really we're so high up it's it's pretty much we're up in the clouds sometimes and uh really the humidity is always up so i mean here in flower if we don't have like a good nice constant wind uh coming around like it could really cause some issues you know and people see this all the time during rains if they're not totally tunneling off their plants or you know covering them up or have greenhouses and stuff and or people that have them just out there in the earth you know they're toughing it out they're really going through it because a lot of these guys and girls if they're not out there tending to their crops every day really putting in the work and really putting in that effort you know this this is really when those detrimental times come too because you're going to see the rain's going to bring you know bud rot sometimes um you know the mycology in the rain you know that's why you see you know mushrooms and all that stuff grow like you know rain also has other resources in it too it's not just you know water itself so sometimes when it hits the plants it's carrying you know, water from different directions and different places. And, you know, it's, you know, from different sources, you know, so, you know, it's really kind of bringing a little bit of mother nature into it. So these plants are really taking it from, you know, uh, you know, from the mountain water and the mountains are being able to really uh, leave that layer in the morning. They're really kind of in high humidity and flower, and that's not really the best thing. So you have to be out there cutting the buds out. You know, if there's some bud rot growing or you see precursors going, you have to go out there and you have to spot this type of stuff. Because right now we're in about week three, four here in the uh, northern hemisphere. So we're just um, starting to see really stacking of the buds. You know, the pre-flowers were already set. The frost is already really in production. Now we're really starting to see it become thick, big, coarse buds. But right now, if you go outside and you see any type of like brownage or spoilage, you know, at all, you'll start to see the leaves around it spoil a little bit. Then you know you've gotten the mold or the pathogen. And at this time, you have to be very careful about going out there and, and taking it out, you know, because if you go out there and you just pick it or touch it, it, the spores will just automatically fly off into the rest of the plant. Well, if the plant can't defend itself and it's very susceptible, it's a finicky plant. It's just going to get mold everywhere else. So this type of um, obstacle needs to be tackled with a little bit of care and a little bit of knowledge. Going out there and buying products that have oil like the trifecta, the IPM and all the stuff that has germanium oil, um, any type of 
like you know uh, peppermint oil any any oil period is absolutely horrible you do not want to use this in flour if you were using an ipm that has an oil in it you are absolutely hurting your buds and you're absolutely just putting stuff in there that'll never really come out and it will just diminish your crop in many different ways especially if you decide that you're going to go extract you're never going to get away with it so extract artists know they all started taking in buds a long time ago and doing their processing and really putting a business together and they started to notice that when certain people would bring them buds that looked great um but when they extract they wouldn't come out normal uh and the terpenes as well as the uh color uh just was terrible and they're like what's going on here well they were spraying their plants with oil not only were they spraying their plants, but they were also putting them through a tumbler, which had, you know, oil on it, too, on top of it. So, I mean, all this type of oil uh, in their buds really caused their extract to be, I mean, garbage, absolute garbage. It was terrible to see um, everything just go to that, you know, and the buds that they were selling and the people consuming them. Jeez, man, I feel bad for, uh, you know, people who are growing like that because they're not knowledge that this is going to happen. They're not hip to this game. You know, they're just doing whatever they can to try to get to this outcome. And it's kind of cheating in itself. You really don't want to be using those products. You know, um, there's few and far between that you really want to use in flower, period. And it's hard. And we go through these tough times. A lot of people have been dealing with Septura, leaf Septura, which is actually a, a nasty one that comes around and burns the leaves, put holes through your leaves. It'll come around and it'll hit all of your crop at the same time, all of them, you know, and it comes from foliage around your plants like roses, other uh, bushes and flower bushes and trees and stuff like that that really are able to be susceptible to it, carry it and pass it on. I mean, if you have all that around your plants, it's just going to be no time before it starts to infect and really get there. And if your plants are finicky, it's going to take over and knock them out. And again, to go back to the other episodes I talk about, and we preach this, it's truly all truly about getting those genetics that really kick ass outside, guys. I mean, we're really going for the best of the best. I mean, you have a choice every year of the genetics you want to put outside you're not going to want to put out the best of the frostiest stuff that makes little nugs that's really really good for indoors and you know you're going to want to put out stuff that you know absolutely will battle through mother nature and really go through the process and still produce big solid buds with lots of trichomes and surface area because surface area is the main goal here guys you're, you're we're talking about bud mass you know what i'm saying we want that flower mass we're looking for the big bulk you want to know why because trichomes grow on the big bulk we are looking for trichomes trichomes are our source that's what we're consuming when it comes down to cannabis we're consuming trichomes so we want to grow trichomes so the goal of it is is to really try to get those big mama plants that could produce through mother nature and give you those trichomes in abundance and i've really found over the years that you have to go out there and it's trial by error you have to see what does good and what doesn't and that's why people hang on to clones that's why clones are worth a lot of money Sometimes they should be valued a little bit more than usual. Some people will say, oh, they come with a price tag, 100, 150. Oh, that's a lot. You know, well, some of these clones go for uh, 500 to 1,000. And they're absolutely worth it. Why? Because they've been really selected either A, by the breeder, or B, by someone who put in a lot of work and went through 50 to hundreds of plants to try to find the best of the best 
that would grow outdoors, that would really produce indoors as well, even better. So, I mean, we really have to congratulate those breeders that put in the process. We've talked about that before. The ones doing it for the cannabis game, not the ones doing it for the cash grab, not the ones here that are just using everybody else to do their work while they're sitting back not doing anything. They're absolutely not doing anything when it comes down to the medical game. All they're doing is, or really the grow game, all they're really doing is just putting a couple things together through a reversal, knowing that they're going to get a pretty much good replicated process of something else put into something else. Um, because when you do a reverse process with feminizing, you really get more of what you're working with replicated than you do really just crossing, you know, an F1 and, you know, hoping for uh, results to be great across the board. So that's the process of why people sometimes take those shortcuts. But we're talking about those type of breeders that really are only throwing things together and then going into their room and flipping plants that are like a foot or a foot and a half tall and just showing you one bud plants just for one picture and not really actually popping hundreds of seeds and really seeing hundreds of plants and really going through and selecting the best of the best, making that move themselves. You see a lot of these guys will just send the seeds out to a bunch of people, spend a bunch of money on the packaging, become flashy, win them over on that uh, sense, and then have them grow that out. And then they'll end up finding you know, growing out 50 of them, finding that ultimate clone, and then it gets sent back to the breeder, and then the breeder's working with it, calling like it's his. I mean, you see people do this all the time, and it's just cash grabbers. You know, you got to appreciate those people doing the work with these cultivars that will do great for us in the long haul. People know this is going to be great outside. This is going to be great outdoors. It has this type of smoke profile. It works great for this. I have five patients uh, underneath of me because I'm a caregiver myself that smoke this as well for this particular ailment. I've had it tested through this laboratory and it shows a little bit more percentage than this. So we're studying that in order to bring more to the table about this genetics so that it could be great for mankind rather than just throwing everything together or being a breeder that only wants to put out the most genetics ever. I'm, you know, who wants to be the known for putting out more strains than anybody else? You're going to be known for not testing more strains than anybody else or having other people do it for you because sure people want the flavors and they just want someone who has the time to do it for them but they also want some brains behind it knowledge passion and true work behind it too so finding these outdoor strains man they're not a dime a dozen and you got to do the work it's very tough so bud rod is probably the number one thing that you're going to be looking out for. Bud rod is also, uh, you know, other things like powdery mildew, gray mold. Um, you know, sometimes it'll grow on the stock. You know, you get the black mold sometimes, even if people are just being completely disgusting with their grow setup. Make sure that you're picking up every single leaf around every single pot. My wife is due diligence out there. She makes sure that no leaves drop. And if there is leaves that I happen to drop when I'm working out there with her, she's picking that up too and getting on me about it. She's making sure that whenever we are taking leaves and defoliating, we are doing it properly and stopping at week three, week four. Because right around this time, you don't want to be defoliating much more. Right now, we're seeing these plants stop their stress. Right now, excuse me, stretch. These plants are stopping their stretch 
and they're really starting to work into their floral growth. These floral growth has been on set with the pre-flowers, of course, but now we're talking about floral growth of stacking, really starting to maintain bud structure and really build on it and build on it. And unfortunately, Mother Nature's throwing rain at us, this, that, and the other. And if you don't have the greenhouse or the tunnel going, you know, some of us have a little bit more than others. I have, you know, my setup that I'm able to put. I have, you know, my uh, 10 by 10 gazebos, my 12 by 12 gazebos that I'm able to set up and tunnel. And, uh, you know, of course, get efficient air, you know, for exhaust and airflow. Because if you just tunnel without airflow, you're going to create a higher humidity. So, you, you know, you can create more problems doing that too as well especially if water gets on it and then the humidity stays high, you know, um, if it's a constant rain for more than, you know, uh, a few hours, you really want to have that set up because around this time with flowers, you're going to give yourself a detrimental each time if you're not tunneling or at least covering the plants or moving the plants inside or away from the rain during these particular times, because around these times you're going to get heavy showers, especially through the night and later in the days. So if you're not getting your plants into safe haven, you're going to probably see a lot of your plants die. And don't be sad if you, you know, have been listening and, and growing and you didn't do, you know, uh, you know, it didn't get movements or coverage in time and you lost it because uh, you thought it was okay. And the next day it was still standing up, but you went out there and all of a sudden you had, you know, precursors for mold starting to grow because you're unable to get the wetness out um, during the floral growth. These plants are really putting off a high humidity. So that's why you see on indoors, they really cut that humidity down in order to try to keep it drier because these buds are wet. You know, when they come off, they're wet and they're juicy, you know, and they got lots of terpenes and all that new uh, trichome coverage. You know, all that stuff is, is liquid, you know, and it's, it's just like stuff that really needs to keep humidity uh you know at bay because it's just stuff that could really be susceptible to you know become infected so you're going to make sure that you're not causing yourself issues um one of the bigger things is when you're taking families and you're defoliating rather than taking a fan leave you know uh you know maybe with a little bit of a, a stub at the end you know you really want to take that entire fan leaf all the way to the stalk i mean leaving any type of nubs those can end up molding uh because they're still quite living on the plant, even though that they have a scab on them. Uh, as they kind of tend to die off, they kind of get weak and the uh, molds will affect it, you know, and then you'll go up to the plant and you'll see, a, you know, a weird, um, you know, stem sticking off that's got a little bit of mold on it. And you're like, what the hell is that? And you haven't taken that fo uh, fan leaf completely off. And now it's grown, you know, biological stuff because it's been alive at the same time because you didn't fully take that fan leaf stock off. So you want to take that fan leaf stalk right at the base there. Um, usually indoors, you know, they say that we could take it and uh, leave a little bit of a, a nub there because it will allow the next um, bud site and the, you know, branch to really have support when it grows. But bottom line is, is outdoor is different than indoors. And, you know, if you're leaving stuff that's susceptible on the plant, it's just going to create it later. Once bud is really thick all over the branch, it's just going to get in the inside. And then you're going to lose the entire cola because you didn't take a precautionary. This is something that my wife discovered and noticed and said, hey, look, this is something that we really need to push. Because this is something that she believes is going to be uh, something that can cause it, you know. So these are little steps that we're taking to try to make sure that we're not going to spread anything. And then, you know, of course, after rain, you could see 
uh, some powdery mildew possibly. I've seen it before here in the North and uh, New England. It's very easy to get. You know, at this time, I told you, do not spray no oils. What you can do though, and it is very effective, but you're not going to spray the flowers. You will be able to get to the stalks. You will be able to get to the bottom half of your plant and you can get the leaves with this. And this is citric acid, yeast, potassium sorbate, and soap. It's, it's flying skull nucum. Their brand is called flying skull nucum. And the, the, I think the, the, uh, it's flying skull, but I think the name of the product is called nucum. And it's a uh, citric acid based pretty much. That's what's, that's what's making contact with anything and, and penetrating it immediately and, uh, and eliminating it. And this actually will take care of bugs. This will take care of inchworms. Um, this will take care of powdery mildew very, very well, especially in flower. Still, you want to do uh, early morning, nighttime, well before an hour before any sunlight or after sunlight. You know, no sunlight with the stuff on. Even though they say you can, this product says you can spray it on the flower. I'm not going to do that. Absolutely no. I would never recommend doing that. But I would not do that. It says you can. I'm not doing it. Here's the thing. I'm going to spray the leaf if I had bad powdery mildew. I'm not just going to leave it out there or strip the plant completely bald because then we're going to stress it and diminish it at that point. So you can go out and you can get this product. Flying Skull Nukem. I'm not, I'm not sponsored by them. Wish I was. I'll tell you what. I use them all the time. They're not too expensive, but it can be a little costly. It's IPM. They know what you're doing with it. They know the results you're going to get from it. And if you're doing the right thing, growing it, and you're getting a great result, I highly recommend buying it because this product will get you through outdoors. You know, outdoors is different. It's a whole different ballgame, guys. You really got to be ready for this stuff. If you're not ready for it, it'll come get you. You know, you're battling. Most people quit. I've been told, don't do this. Don't grow outdoors in New England. It's not worth it. Last three years, it's been worth it. Seen some of the best extract and really done a wonderful uh, job about it. Spraying no oils, nothing at all. I know for a fact everything came out wonderful. We got proof of it online. Go check out the social media. On top of that, I mean, growing it, looking at it. This year, we've gotten ourselves the ability to extract it ourselves. We're going to be able to do that ourselves here soon, show you how it goes down. You know, there's a way to really utilize outdoors. This end product here, we're able to really last all year. You know, when you put it through extraction and uh, do hydrocarbon and really work it, you don't want to remediate it heavily. I'll tell you what, a lot of these guys now are remediating everything. They got it looking crystal clear, golden, this, that, the other, but you're losing a lot of terpenes. A lot of people aren't really isolating plants anymore. They're just throwing everything together in a cocktail. It seems like that's how the world's going these days. Everything's just thrown together in a cocktail. But anyways, we're going to try to isolate these because we're really trying to pick the right strains out here. And we already know that we have a couple strains out here that we've really kicked its ass and we have it out here over and over again. We're planning on, you know, running it and, you know, getting the best out of it. But, you know, unless we do these due diligent works here day in and day out, we're not going to get that. And these are things that I want you guys to know. If you're just going to throw a plane out there and you think you're going to get it, I mean, hopefully you're in a good part of the world where you don't have that much issues and you can grow maybe year-round because where I'm at here, you only get one shot. You know, you got from June to, to October. You know, they say, well, May, you know, May into June into to October. And that's it. Seasons here. I get to see all the seasons here where I'm at in New England. I get to see the winter, spring summer fall you know but we get one shot for the buds out here outdoors 
And what we like to do is we like to extract with it. So if we want to meet that goal, there's a lot of other things we have to do. At this time, we have all of our stakes in. We preached doing that beforehand, but you're going to want to retie at this time. You're going to want to go out there, and you're not going to want to make them tight. But you're going to want to make them decently tight where they're not going to, you know, snap or totally bend from weight because weight's going to start to stack. I got some plants out there that are really putting on weight right now. I got a few of them that are producing, you know, a couple pounds, definitely getting the pounds out of, you know, a few of them. And then, you know, of course, we'll see how some of the new ones do. You never could, you know, count your chickens for the hatch. But if you got plants out there from years prior and you're doing very good, uh, you know, you're going to do it again. You know, when we stick to a certain regimen, we know what we're doing here. So we're kind of, you know, doing the same thing that we're used to here. So we're hoping to, uh, you know, teach these things to you during these episodes and help you guys out to learn that, you know, taking these steps have really been helping us. You know, so we're tying to the stakes. We're, we're, we're making sure that any type of windstorms, any type of huge rainstorms that are going to put out these gusts, you know, and maybe come a wind sideways. At least we have them, you know, in an area where things are good, you know, and, and it's going to have the ability to really, uh, you know, resist most of the rain because sometimes we got to go through hurricanes. Like this year we got hurricane Lee right now. We could expect some bands of rain to come through and some wind gusts, you know? So right now we've been doubling down time. Why? Because you get in result, what you put in at this time. And if you put in your due diligence, you're really going to find out that your bud's going to love you, too. You're going to see the plants out there interact with you. You don't want to be out there smelling like cologne and perfume. You want to be out there, you know, normal and enjoying yourself. And uh, really just, um, you know, making sure that, you know, you're putting together, um, you know, a great grow. And uh, what you got to do is just make sure that, you're going through uh, each plant. Don't just kind of brush through. Go to each plant, look up and down each branch. If you look up and down each branch, you're going to notice if anything's starting. You're going to want to really see at this time all the branches that aren't going to grow anything. If the pre-flowers aren't stacking and they're not getting bigger and there's just these little small little nubs, there's what I call suckers. I try to get you to take those off and veg. If you take those off and veg, you won't have to worry about it in flower. So if you start to spot this while you're going through each plant, you're going to start to see what's really going to produce and what's not going to produce. Don't grow the lowers, even if it's extract, guys. You want to put the most into the tops and the middles. This is where the sun's going to hit. The sun's not going to get those insides and smalls because the sun's not getting down there and the light's not efficient for it. And they're just not going to produce well. It's pretty much taking all the energy that can be produced into the middles and tops and it's taking it away and putting it into like nothing, like something small and ridiculous. So if you can trim up these at this time and get them out of the way, because we are in the very last weeks that you can fly, uh, that you could trim, because if you can't, if you go to trim in past week four, you're going to absolutely 100% stunt your plant. It's going to freak it out. And if you got new stuff out there, it could hermit. Listen, outdoors and indoors, not the same. So if you got new clones out there or people throwing new clones out there and you're attacking it, say if it's got too much bud rot and stuff like that too, and you're just totally freaking out and you're cutting the plant up and down, like you could really hurt your plant sometimes. You got to watch out how much you're taking. You can't totally freak out of these moments. Sometimes you could add like different products and stuff in the beginning to get you saves. Uh, regalia is one of them. 
uh, regalia will actually help you. It will get rid of powdery mildew from the beginning, you know. So there's little things that you could do to prevent without having to spray and stuff. But spraying is in, it's kind of inevitable. You're going to want to spray uh, during the weeks of edge and all that stuff to get the, get the plants and the bugs around to, to notice that it's not really nice around here. And that's why you don't want to really throw your leaves um, anywhere around your plants and leave them there because then they can try it, snack it. And if they really like it, then they'll go and say, let's try to put up with the soil and beat it. And some of these bugs can beat the oil. So don't think that you can just prevent it, man. It's tough out here on the outdoors. So really just do your due diligence. Uh, make sure that everything's cleaned up, what your due diligence work every day, hours of each day. Ensure yourself that you're doing the work. Because if you don't do the work, it's going to catch up on you. You have to go out there every day. If you got big plants that are like over six foot going into seven, eight, if you're not out there like eight hours a day, I mean, it's they're not going to produce right. You're going to have so much foliage that's going to cause you so much problems. At this time, you want to have almost little to no tan leaves that are um, blocking or sitting on top of anything. I mean, your plants should be see-through. I mean, it should be doing nothing but collecting bud. They should be just like how you do indoor, nice and stripped up. But you don't want to overdo too much when it comes down to clipping at once. Remember what I told you. Don't sit there and take more than 70% of all the fan leaves at once. You're going to want to leave a few fan leaves at the top at all times. You know, say if you have one big branch and it's got, you know, 10 fan leaves down it. You're going to want to don't, you could take seven of them, but you're going to leave the top three. You know, you never take more than that. You know, some people will one note, they'll take it all the way up to, you know, and then literally strip the, the top. It's really, really wild, but they know the genetics well to do that. So unless you've kicked that genetics ass over and over again, don't go and pull those type of moves unless you know what you're doing. These are experienced growers. They know what they're doing because they grow the same strains over and over. And, uh, you know, outdoors, that's how it works for me, especially when people even grow indoors. They particularly grow certain stuff for extract, you know, same way for outdoors. You know, you're going to want to, you know, pick the right stuff to, to give you that result in the end. I mean, I've seen people really put some of the best sun-grown hash uh, on their menu and it outbe anything that indoor was grown. So, I mean, sometimes really working with different things and different mediums and, you know, even organics, the hybrids. Hybrids is a big thing. I discovered hybrids years ago. I do work with all kinds of different nutrients. I'll work with kosher nutrients. Um, I'll work with uh, bottled nutrients. I've worked with uh, organic nutrients all side by side. You know, just working with different companies over the years of really giving me the ability to help people and show people and post and really give people um, an advantage to understanding what's best to grow with, because you do have to have a program when it comes down to your flowering game. Uh, transition's a big deal. Um, you know, going into flower and your feed and, you know, middle flower and end flower, like middle flower right now, week three, week four, we're trying to PK boost right now. You're going to want to give that initiation PK boost. It's an early PK boost. I do it at week three into four because what it does is it kind of ups the, the phosphorus and ups the potassium intake. It kind of lowers the nitrogen, keeps the calcium and magnesium, all the essentials. I still continue to add the CalMag into week three and four. I stop the CalMag around, around week five, sometimes five and a half. You know, near the, the end of week five, I'll give it one more splash as a, you know, not necessarily with food or just with some water, knowing it'll be the last time he gets a CalMag shot. 
And sometimes these outdoor plants need a little bit longer than usual because they're not all flowering at the same time, guys. So some of these plants are going to be a little bit more ahead of each other. This is another obstacle that a lot of you guys are going to see at this time. You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, well, my runts outdoors, my my jokes up cut, the real deal runts cut is is breeding is, excuse me, is flowering quicker. And it looks like it could be harvested, you know, a week or two early or possibly on harvest moon. Right. And then you got other strains who are totally just got so many hairs, you know, you see them stacking, you know, but they're not totally entire state uh, stacking bud yet. You know, actual, you know, bud mass. They're just a bunch of hairs and a bunch of frost right now. And you're like, oh, man, this one's probably going to go a week or two into October. So now you got to worry about possible frosting. And week or two into October, sometimes it's wet in the fall because, you know, everything is is going through big uh, windstorms and all the leaves are falling off and you just constantly have wind all the time, which is also kind of good because it keeps the humidity down a little bit as long as it isn't raining heavy. But I get crazy shit here in the valleys, guys, in the mountains here in Maine. So it's tough and it's really tough sometimes here in flower if you're not out there you know, trying diligently hard to really make it happen. It's it's not going to happen. I've had people tell me this over and over. Don't waste your time outdoors. It's not worth it. I've been able to conquer it. But let me tell you something, man. I grow more cultivars than I have to because I know sometimes I end up losing 75% of a plant to where I'll toss the whole plant out. So I lost the whole plant. Why? Because it wasn't an outdoor plant that should have been outdoors. You know, I couldn't kick its ass. Or, you know, that's two options right there. <clears throat> Sometimes it's just not meant for outdoor. Don't don't hate on yourself. It just happens to the best of us. Not everything grows there. You know, stuff like, you know, I've learned like Grease Monkey and Grease Monkey F2. It depends on the cut, you know, but most of the time it'll grow kick-ass outdoor. You know, I had some cookies and cream, you know, and cookies and cream F2 grow kick-ass. But I got a hold of a breeder cut, you know, bought offline from a reputable source. And it grew like shit. But I'll tell you what, indoors it grew beautiful and frosty, but, you know, I've had other cuts of it that other people are, yeah, it's it's a clone. Cut, clone, I've had from somebody else's that's not an official breeder clone, but they've hunted out packs of seeds and found one that grows great outdoors. You know, sometimes you could have that happen. So don't think if you just grow one strain one time and it doesn't work out, it, it's not good for outdoors. You really have to find the genetic and that's what i talked about these breeders earlier in this segment about doing the work because when it comes down to it people are going to ask the question how's it do outdoors you're going to outdoor outdoor growers greenhouse growers that are going to invest a lot of time into you and let me tell you something you go fucking around and telling a, a farm that that you got that fire for them and just because you're popular at the time and you got a couple fanboy in online and putting you on and uh, making you sound real good, and, and you hand them out maybe two hundred dollars worth of, of seeds, and they go out there putting twenty thousand dollar project on, and your shit ain't producing because you didn't tell them the truth. That's the type of shit I'm talking about, guys. These are the type of breeders and cash grabbers we don't fucking need around here. These are people following other people, trying to make money and get and get popular. And in this game here, in this grow game, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take a genius to understand that in this game, you're either a looking for fame, b looking for money, c looking for the greater good of the plant, d 
all the above, you know, but you know, balance is proper. You know, you can't just be doing more than one of you balance is proper. You know, you really got to be a man. Sometimes you ain't going to be worrying about what another man is doing, but you don't want to be considered and have a reputation. That's what I'm talking about. So really and truly here growing is really, uh, your name is put on your product. So going out there and doing this work by putting the ties to the stakes, making sure that if you got a trellis up, trellis up, uh, making sure that, you know, you're moving your plants. If there's storms, you know, you're going to be preparing for a lot of this stuff. So your branches have probably been outdoor for long enough now that they've been bending and moving and they're strong enough to take something. But the stock sometimes can split if it's from clone and it's not the greatest, you know, clone cut. Sometimes people will take it from a place they have topped or a fem and it'll have a V cut. When sometimes those V cuts will will snap, even if they're big and thick and have a decent stock at the bottom. You're gonna ensure that your plant's gonna be able to make it through a lot of this stuff. I talked about it last episode, and this is also going into these weeks too as well. Because at this time you're finally cutting off all the branches that are worthless and you're gonna quit defoliating after next week, going into week five, six, seven, and eight. You're gonna have an episode from me on that one too. You know, with this transition, you got to really want to do that PK boost in the transition because it's going to help. So going out there on your resume um, and if you have a PK booster that they're telling you to add in like week five, six and seven, go ahead and, and try a little bit of it now. Don't do it 100 percent strength. Do it at about 70 percent strength, 60 to 70 and uh, add a little bit now because a lot of programs they don't really understand this you know but transition is a big thing to have that pk in there you know and sometimes i will actually lessen a little bit of that nitrogen like i said you know if i have to because i don't want to pack a nitrogen heavy feed into you know what transitional pk boost like i'm trying to do so if you don't want to do it that way you could also go out and buy a secondary product or something like that you got cool blooms you got drip hydros got flex you got different other beastie blooms. They sell that stuff at like regular hardware stores and stuff. I'm not telling you as those are some of the best products. I'm just letting you know those are like what PK boosters are. They're basically kind of meant for, you know, uh, middle to late flowering. You know, in that transition of week four, week three, four, and five, I, I like to add uh, products that have that magnesium sulfur in there to really get the trichome production going. Organic people will add the oyster shells. I like to use Super Sticky from Psycho. That's a good agent to kind of kick, kick things up, you know, uh, in, uh, indoors for me. But outdoors, um, like I said, you could use Cool Blooms or you could tweak your recipe a little bit by using a little bit more of the, you know, Part B usually uh, than Part A because Part B has a lot more of the uh, PK in it. So, you know, you're upping your PK amount a little bit or you're adding a little bit more of the, the B and just keeping the same of the A just because... Phosphorus and potassium is very important at this time. The root development is really um, there. You just want to keep your root uh, roots healthy, nice and healthy. Make sure that you're getting them a nice uh, regimen of feed and dry back. Don't keep it solid wet the whole time. If you're, uh, I could recommend anything. It's a solid dry back. Uh, don't make your plants like wilt, but you definitely want to make sure that you're feeding them um, when they when they're dried uh, all the way back, and then you're feeding them when they need it because. It really teaches them, you know, to eat proper. It teaches them to drink proper because when they have it at all times, it's like gluttony, you know, just like anybody, humans, all that stuff. It's just like gluttony, man, you know, only a little bit at this time, just what you need. And that's what the body needs, you know, just what the body's like a plant, you know, it's a temple. 
you're going to treat that plant just like you, you know, especially during flowering. You treat it like it's, you know, it's pregnant. It's going to lead it. I need a little bit more of this, you know, a little bit, a little bit more of that, you know. Um, truth is, is, is trying to make this flower to try to attract pollen. These one, these plants want to procreate. So if you have a finicky genetic out there, you also want to be looking your plant up and down for possible hermy signs, possible transsexual signs, because sometimes plants outdoors could freak out. They give us a different expression than they do uh, indoor, and they could look different outdoor than they do indoor. So you could actually have an awesome success indoor and have a shitty success outdoor. But for most part, you could really kind of notice which ones are going to perform, you know? So sometimes they'll overstress. And you'll see, um, you know, uh, from the flower and the, and, and the environment that it has, it just can't hold itself down and it'll start to create ball sacks on you. So at this time, you're really vigilantly looking for ball sacks heavily. You're probably doing it in week two and three, but you're also going to do it in week three, four, two, pretty heavy as well. You're going to stay looking and make sure that you don't have any of these ball sacks because if you do and if you do have it on a branch man one branch of having three or four of them will absolutely pollinate the entire crop of like 30 or 40 of them you'll end up having seeds on everything and then the worst part is is you don't have no really good seeds to hold on to neither so it's not like you hit a jackpot of a nice stash and then still had bugs extract Nah, man, those seeds are bad because they've probably been made from a hermaphrodite. So everyone knows, oh, well, they're film. No, but they're also ver, you know, on the verge of being herma half hermaphrodite themselves. And a majority of them are most likely going to be because the pollinator was the one that hermaphrodite it on its own. You don't want plants doing it on its own. You want plants doing it on command. And that's when people spray it with reversal spray, whatever they're using, but they're doing it on command. That's different. And it's controlled. And it's put in the proper genetics that aren't finicky in order to have proper genetics. You know, because feminized genetics, when people have issues with them, is simply because the genetics that they were working with were finicky in the begin with. Or they didn't, you know, reverse the right one into the right one. Sometimes they should have switched it and had it in the other order. They should have reversed the other female into it. But they were looking for desired traits. And again, that's why I touched on it in this episode, is because people could get more of a successful replica from what they reverse. And anyways, when it goes back into the, you know, if you accidentally had a Hermie there, you could be causing a dominant hermia into that seed count, so the seeds are worthless. The bud production will be cut in half, so you won't be getting as much bud production, meaning less surface area, meaning less trichomes, meaning less hash, meaning less results. So, I mean, it's just going to be a diminished problem, so you're going to make sure you're looking up and down on these plants, because if not, and it catches you off guard, oh, man, I feel sorry for you, man, because it's going to hurt you. That's what happens. You got to make sure that you're looking up and down your plants there and flowering and making sure that everything is going okay. You can't just be like, oh, no, don't touch it. Let it be. You got to really be on there, hands on. It's okay if you stroke the plants a bit to smell the terpenes, but I don't recommend fingering your plants heavily. If you're going to go fingering your plants heavily, it's going to ruin the hairs and make them all turn orange and stuff because you're touching them up so much and rubbing your dirty little fingers all over them. Okay, so what you're needing to do is if you're wanting to fluff up and touch your plants and all the terpenes, you're going to take your hand and you're actually going to go up the stalk of the plant with your hand and you're going to slide it slowly. You're not going to uh, 
grip it with your hand, you know, like it's, you know, as if it was your arm sticking straight up in the air right now and you put your forearm up, you're going to take your hand and you're going to slide it up your forearm, but you're not going to grip on your forearm tight. You know, you're going to, you're going to move up it slow, but you're going to, you know, touch it as you go. Because when you grab that plant and you go up, slowly and you, you know you're gentle with it you're gonna get trichome stickiness all over your hands and it's gonna you know it's gonna fluff the plant up to where everything you know all the leaves are sticking up it's gonna be a nice look for it i like to fluff my plants uh, a little bit funny i use that word <laughs> for all those dirty mind people out there but anyways i love you too anyways what i really want to get back at you is is when you're when you're touching your plants this way and you're getting that smell and you're really you're understanding the terpenes is putting off and you're you're seeing that it's changing because at this time you're going to get different smells within the first few weeks and then you're going to get different smells in the middle and then you're going to get different smells at the end and then you're going to get a different smell during cure so you're really going to want to take this time to really smell your plant so you can understand her love her get to know her because you're going to kick her ass and grow her over and over and over again if she's really good and uh, i love to smell those plants around this time and get my hands on them and when you're breathing on them it's creating co2 because out <clears throat> outdoors we don't have much co2 you know because there's so much fresh air at all times you know so they really love us breathing on them uh getting up in your plants and really understanding what's going on is going to help you so much some of us are allergic and you know if we touch it with our arms it'll give us you know welts and stuff so we gotta make sure that we're not doing that and we wear farmer's armor or we wear long sleeves and gloves and stuff but it ain't gonna kill you you know just it's gonna itch a little bit but just make sure you're getting involved with the plant and getting up in that plant and you know getting rid of those suckers and you know tying off those branches and you know giving it that good boost of food that it needs and you know making sure that you know you don't have too much soil in your pot and it's covering up too much of the sock and making it you know soft where you know it's susceptible to you know issues you know you want to make sure the stock is nice and dry and you know dry backs and keeping all the foliage away and really being safe and clean at this time is really going to help you um if you're going to cut out bowl, uh bud mold uh excuse me any type of molds or bud rots you know botrys or anything like that you know take the take the flying skull nucum and uh get it on your hand and uh you know before or the scissors and before you cut you know get a little bit on that bud so the mold spores aren't uh gonna fly away and you know cut it out you don't have to cut the entire bud off you can you can cut out you know the precursor and get rid of it and you know get discard it in a bag don't just throw it away make sure it's in a good trash can away from my area and my wife's really good about this man she goes out there every day and she she kicks ass out there and you know thank gosh we all have help we got to have help out there you know we can't do it all on our own and uh you know we get out there and we tackle this because you know you have to and like i said man this is these are your babies man we're in the middle of uh flowering here you know guys it's a really exciting time i mean i hope people are really enjoying it not stressing and and understanding that this is a a time to put in the work so that we can get a great result you know there's there's a lot more little things that we do you know of course and and uh you know we want to we want to try to fit them all in this episode but like like i told you guys i do a lot of this stuff freestyle um i do take notes you know sometimes i try to hit off on them and i wish sometimes we could be more interactive and you know talk about more and do more things and and bring more tips up and if people ask more questions and you know what we could do you know because sometimes i forget but i hope we covered a decent amount you know this time and i hope you guys enjoyed this weekend with 
with me, Thor. And I, I enjoy really talking to you guys every week. And I hope you guys got to really take in some of this information and, and kind of relate and understand or maybe learn a little bit about it. And uh, you guys are, you know, um, picking the right stuff to grow and you guys are enjoy growing it. And, you know, you guys are enjoying your regimen. You're sticking to it. You know, there's no there's no real you know, tips and tricks, you know, some people grow big trees and some people grow smaller plants for quality instead of quantity, you know, and that's the truth when it comes down to it. You know, when someone says, should I grow with bigger pots? Well, are you looking for quantity or are you looking for quality? What's your result? If your end result is extract, then, you know, maybe bigger plants is okay. If your end result is flower, then maybe definition is better. And maybe you should grow a bunch of the smaller ones and, you know, topping and all that stuff has really came to your advantage at this time. Prior episodes, when I talked about thimming and topping, you're starting to see how many heads you have now. Uh, once they're cleaned up, you see why you did the topping. So you could really kind of space things out and why you do the pinching and bending and making knuckles and shaping your plant. You're starting to see why we did that and why we talked about it, because now you see in your can, uh, your canopy or your candle bro that you've created and you're just really starting to see the buds build on certain ones and you're excited because this is one of the most exciting parts is the pre-flower. And then the ultimate phase is really the next phase that we'll be talking about soon. And I got some tips for you and I got tricks for you. And um, I highly recommend that you guys uh, don't wet trim. I got some uh, tips for you too. So make sure that you guys are uh, ready to uh, learn about takedown and uh, harvest and, and really how to do it, man. Cause uh I got some proper ways to do it for you and I got ways to make sure that you're not going to just, uh, you know, stick it anywhere and that you guys put it in the right spot so that the smells and the environment that it's around is really going to um, uh, take it in in a clean environment. So everything comes out perfect. So I got some tips for you. Look forward to that next uh, coming up episode. It might not be the next episode, but, you know, we like to fit in these segments as we go throughout the the grow season we like to talk about a little bit of it during the podcast so these aren't really like an a to z how to learn class these are basically just like hey man let's sit down and talk about it for a little bit you guys got me for a little bit of time and you know i'll give you what's on the top of my head and things i could remember so of course there's more i'd love to talk to you about so feel free to dm me anytime at real thor 89 on any of my platforms i got the x twitter app of course they call it x it's hard not to call it twitter but we got the x app um we have our discord uh we have our instagram as well um we do also have an instagram at for viking gardens genetics i believe it's underscore genetics viking gardens underscore genetics this is our subspecies page we do do some photo periods too on the side. We typically keep a lot of those photo periods and grow ourselves along with the autos. But autos are our main focus because, well, a lot of people don't grow autos. How I got into autos is because I love them. I love to grow them, but I noticed I can't take a clone. What am I going to do? So I realized I had to breed in order to make seeds. If not, I was going to buy seeds over and over again. So I really got intrigued with breeding and I ended up making something that was awesome that really grew. Uh, a lot of quality and quantity buds and it didn't uh, it wasn't lack thereof you know when it came to an auto because that was one of the biggest uh stig sigmas that they had was that they just don't produce and at the time i was working with auto reg i thought that was really cool because you never really see auto regular but you know once i learned the fundamentals and uh you know i started really getting things bred for the genetics i understood that i needed to start hunting them out for a uh, feminized process. And I, once I started doing the feminized process and doing the hunting out myself, 
I really was able to show, you know, some of the best from the genetics and, and really get that out there because I was able to replicate it instead of giving out the auto regular, which was, you know, you got one or two females and then that was it, you know, unless you bred with it. And then if you bred with it, it wasn't, you know, for a great flower to take picture of. So the experience wasn't all the way there, you know, and they didn't get it until after they made their seeds and then they grew it again which is when I'll eventually see it too, you know, and then it's great to see them actually create something. So that also is one of my desires of why I continue with the autoflowers because what I breed with has become so popular and so great and worked and proper, like the back crossing is proper, F2s to the F4s to the F5s, like to where it becomes almost inbred line. We, like we're really trying to bring the genet the best of the genetics out that we did work with so that they are passed on to the next people so they can continue breeding it and they can continue breeding it. But just like me one day when I first discovered autoflowers and all the people that were breeding it, I was like, wow, all these great people I looked up to and all the work they did. Now I could be just like them. And hopefully someone can pick up my work and be inspired the same way and then want to work their genetics. And I see it all the time. That's exactly what my plan was. And I see so many people doing it. And now I've opened up this huge floodgate for this golden age that we live in for the autoflower industry. Because I know for a fact that autoflowers aren't really worked by many people. There is only a handful of us out there that really actually put major money tens of thousands of dollars into and time and breeding and space i mean i've had so many plants where my wife was just yelling at me you have hundreds of plants on here we were hunting and hunting and creating and just putting the most we could into our genetics and that's why we won the uh acceptance of our peers you know we were alive all the time showing it we were live all the time on IG talking about it, working with people, just constantly breeding and just showing it and talking about it and showing it. And, you know, it eventually led me into wanting to podcast here. And it's been something I've been wanting to do for a long time. But I met the Autoflower Review here uh, team here, and they said that they had all this podcast gear set up and that I, I knew I was going to learn to really take that first step into this with them. And, and, you know, I've been able to learn a lot through them. They've been able to grow some of my genetics and see, you know, what I've been talking about and find the truth like everyone else has that's actually been able to, to grow and really put in the work, have been able to find out. And that's the thing, you know, with the autoflower reg versus the autoflower femme now, you know, with the feminize, you get that every single time. So if, uh, if I could tell anybody in the past that's ever uh gotten the autoflower regular and, and growing it with expectations of having you know the best of the best every single time uh come back and get one of these swim packs because you're gonna get it every single time if you catch one of these swim packs the autoflower reg was for breeding my intentions really were for people to really take those and and you know of course maybe find a female or two that was killer because a lot of people were but, you know, my intentions really were that people were able to, you know, um, have some to breed with. I, I used to give 15 or more per pack because I have the ability to really maximize my seed count per plant. I have a great technique and a way to maximize male pollen. And I've just been doing it for so long. I really know how to, to work with certain genetics and cultivars that really take on a lot of seeds. You know, that's just not a problem for them. And then those stages and everything is just, like I said, experience really will help you get there. And I have a massive abundance of seeds when I make autoflower regulars and I'll do, you know, 10 species and, and work with them and work with the same male and, and uh, still be able to, you know, produce heavily on them and, and really get a, a great variance and see what I could work with. And that's what I do now for selection. And 
uh, find the best of the best two females, make myself feminized because all of my feminized come from an auto flower regular. Anytime that I'm picking uh, something to reverse, typically it's an auto flower regular. Sometimes now I've taken some of my auto fem creations and they've been so great that, you know, um, I will sometimes take uh, an auto flower, um, you know, uh, f female that I've already made uh, genetic and put that with another auto fem genetic just to see the results. But uh, testing has to be done double time because I, I, I preach not to take auto femme times auto femme. When you take auto femme times auto femme, or when people do photo femme times photo femme, it's sometimes if you're not doing it right and the selection isn't right, and it's super finicky, man, you're just gonna produce a crop of stuff that has a big potential to harm you. So working with it sometimes isn't the best because you catch your reputation. One, for if it's not your genetics, you know, you could be copying stuff and it's not a good look. You know, if it's your own genetics, that's the best look because then you're working it. That's your ability. It's yours, you know, to work with, you know, or or B, you know, it comes out really bad, you know, because you had that uh, that trait that, you know, uh, that finicky trait where it would just, you know, trans be transsexual on you and have both sexes and up and down, not just stress wise, but also probably stress wise, too, if it didn't have a full trans uh, it wasn't a full on Hermie. It probably was, you know, a stress pod here and there just because they're finicky. And that's why I preach, you know, making sure you know what genetics you're working with. Don't just take the two most popular genetics and think it's going to create the most beautiful baby in the world. I mean, it doesn't work like that. You really have to, you know, put pins, the right stuff with the right stuff to, to make it work. You know, that's how it works here in this world, uh, just like with plants, too. So. You know, I can go on and on with this, but we'll end the episode there. I hope you guys have really enjoyed your smoke and enjoyed your extract time and smoke time. I try to make these segments around decent enough timeage to where you guys can kick back, smoke, enjoy, um, listen in a little bit. And, uh, you know, while you're catching your buzz for the day and or you're driving in the car or, you know, heck, some people are just starting their day. So whatever it is, I appreciate you for stopping in. Um, I hope to have some more guests on the show and talk about more things later on, too. I hope we covered up at least decent enough topics, a few topics on here to get you through what's going on here in New England. And if you're growing along with me and you're in the same phase, you know what's going on. And if I touched on something, hopefully it helped you or the products I talked about. And maybe it gave you an inspiration to look it up or try it. We will have more episodes to continue to come. So look forward to more episodes to talk about this. So it's not over. And I uh, wish you luck throughout this uh, middle flowering and the late flowering. And I'll see you on the next episode where we'll be talking about, um, you know, getting into week five, six, seven, and eight and all that good stuff. So hope you guys are hanging in there about halfway through flower. And we're almost there, guys and uh, guys and gals. So I'll talk to you guys later. This is another Thursday with Thor. I appreciate you guys. Have a wonderful day. Peace.